I don't mind if you record me. Some people <laughs> don't want to wait for the podcast or don't get to the podcast. And I've had some meetings this week where, um, you know, I'm a lawyer. Eh? So there was a time in my life where I used to get paid to speak. Now I just speak. So it's a joke. <laughs> wow, so serious. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, you're amazing. Come on. It's all starchy in here. I, I can't move when it's starchy. I, I feel like I'm in a straitjacket. I'm going to break out. And I feel some of you are in a straitjacket, and it's time for you to break out. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel some of you have been living under condemnation and lies. And I'm telling you, it's time for you to leave your father's house and come into the father's house. It's time for change. We've got to stop rehearsing what everyone has told us is true about us and start rehearsing what God says is true about us so that we can become free and powerful into the world. Does anyone want to do that? Say I. So I sound like Anthony Robbins now. <laughs> all right. Leadership carries great responsibility. We all know that. And leadership is not about position but connectedness. And I've been making a point about that this morning. It's about connectedness, it's about trust, and it's about influence. And when leadership, when functioning and empowered by the Holy Spirit, in an environment of God's presence and mutual, mutual, divine love, selfless love, unconditional love, it promotes a culture of honor that enables the kingdom realm of God to invade our lives. And I'm going to demonstrate to you, I'm going to work through some scriptures this morning that show that. But first of all, I want you to see a movie, a demonstration. Who knows the movie Braveheart? Anyone? I'm an Aussie. I'm very proud of Mel Gibson. Although, is he not a New Zealand born? I'm not sure. But Braveheart is a classic leadership movie. Why? Because we see in this scene a great battle against England. Scotland and England are about to fight off. And there are the lords, the positional authority, sitting on their horses. And you look at the faces of those they're meant to be leading. They'll do it out of duty, but there's no inspiration. There's no real desire to lay their life down for the cause that's at hand. And then all of a sudden, a man that doesn't have positional authority but has relational, influential authority comes in and he rides in front of the men. And he stirs them up. He tells them the legend had grown beyond him. But what he did was he was living why it mattered. He lived why it mattered. And because of what he lived, he carried the authority in other men's hearts to influence them to do what the positional authority could not achieve. What an amazing scene. And the parallel here is very, very good because Jesus came to give us freedom. He was willing, if you, if you want to draw a loose, not even in one way, measurable comparison, but a metaphor. 
He came to be the William Wallace. He says, I might die today, but in my death, I'm going to produce freedom. In my love, I'm going to produce freedom. I am going to unlock a world that is under the tyranny of spiritual bondage and sin. And I'm going to raise them up with me and I'm going to empower them in my love to live differently, to live free, to live as overcomers, to live those who are willing to take that freedom, to take that sonship, to take that sense of identity and say, I am going to live in this world free and powerful. And I'm going to overcome the spiritual tyranny that tries to remove me from the love of God and the love for one another. Because together we become powerful. Alone we become vulnerable. The church has lived vulnerable because she doesn't know how to live in unity. Because she's been living under the tyranny of bondage in her heart whilst confessing her freedom in Christ. And God is realigning apostolically the church to come back to a heart freedom that empowers one another to live sacrificially in honour and unconditional love. That lifts up what the world despises and gives it value, gives it purpose. How many of us have cried out to be loved unconditionally? How many of us have cried out to be valued and to be honoured? It is a core requirement of our humanity. And we've lived separated from that because we've lived in a fallen world. And we've lived exiled from the love of God, outside of His presence, outside of His love, outside of the freedom that God gives us. We don't even know the one who brought us freedom. We know the systems of man that point to it. We know religion. But do we know Jesus? Do I know my king? And do I want to be like him? Because when you've been in the presence of God, when you've experienced the love of God, something changes in you that you cannot contain. But it takes a willingness to position yourself in vulnerability to say, here I am, Lord. God is not looking at the dirt in your life. He's looking at the potential of your life when he pulls you out of the dirt and into him. The church can only realize her potential in the protocols of God and it's relational. So we see something important in John 17. Jesus says this. He's about to go to the Father. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to liberate the world from the tyranny of sin. You see, we have an idea of sin that doesn't associate itself with bondage and pain. We've been conditioned to think that sin is me being free. The only freedom you have is in the truth and the love of God. That is the true place of freedom. And we have to rewire our thinking. We have to be transformed in our life through our heart 
by the renewing of our mind. We have laid pathways that are filled with lies, believing their truths. Fake news. And Jesus brings the truth and the model to live empowered, to live powerfully, to live free, to live in all your potential. And it starts with a connection of deep, intimate love with the one who rescued us. He says this, I pray for all of them to be joined together as one, even as you and I are one. I pray for them to become one with us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that through what I'm about to do, Father, what I'm about to do is going to liberate them from isolation from selfishness, from this world of bondage. And I'm going to draw them in and they're going to have a dance of love, the perichoresis. They're going to be invited in to the love relationship that you and I share. Perfect freedom. Perfect honour. Perfect authority. Everything that is needed, available. That's what salvation has done for you. It's not so you avoid hell. It's so you come into life. And God doesn't bring you into His love and then heap up a whole lot of rules that you can't keep. He doesn't take you out of bondage to bring you back into bondage. He takes you out of bondage to live a new way in the freedom. And it's called living from His love and His truth as life that you may have life. We all know that. But there's a challenge. Do we live that? Because a concept never becomes life. The Word of God never becomes life until it forms part of you. And when it forms part of you, it naturally flows from you to give its expression. When you're connected to Jesus, you will have unity. Most of the issues that we face in the church is our disconnection, relational disconnection to Jesus and to the Father. We try to love God with our love and we try to love each other as a rule with our love. And it becomes a heavy yoke and there's no way we can do it. How do I know that? Because I've failed in this so many times. See, I get to preach this message because of the pain of doing it the wrong way for so long. Religion doesn't work. Relationship works. But then I realized I didn't have the skills to have relationship. I didn't even know how to have relationship. How many of us have tried to love one another, but geez, I get stuck. There's something, there's a lump in my throat. I'm not going any further. And we protect ourselves and we guard ourselves. Jesus didn't. He was innocent. And as a lawyer, I want to tell you that it's been my passion to ensure justice is outworked. That was my driver, not the bucks. You see, when you find your why, all of life follows you.
my why is Jesus. And that requires me to pursue something that is impossible in of myself. And the moment I can recognize that, the moment I can become powerful. Because I've got to lean utterly on my connection with Him that I may have connection with you. You don't want to see me. You want to see Jesus in me. If I'm not connected to Him, you just get to see me. And we just deal with each other on a familiar spirit and we all get bent out of shape. We all get miffed because we're all looking for something none of us can carry except in Him. So that's why this idea of unity and oneness, the perichoresis, Jesus says in John 15, amplifying the whole way He lived His life. You go read the Gospels. What He says is, these things I do. In other words, the actions, the power, the authority that I carry to bring forward the kingdom is based on one thing alone. That this is a unique father-son relationship coming out of father-son intimacies. I've found to talk about this before Australian men, they've got no idea how to associate with those words. Because we're actually all afraid of intimacy. We're actually all afraid of vulnerability. And that is living a fallen life of shame and fear. And so we succeed only because our insecurities drive us. Because our fear becomes a motivator. And we're so used to living it. We think living in love is a little, well, weak. Anyone associating with me? Am I talking to anyone today? Oh, no, we won't put our hand up because that would be a confession. Now, I think I'm hitting some runs here, blokes and ladies. See, we're wired a particular way. And it's funny, I have to wait till I'm 57 to work out what my kids really needed from me. I was an ambitious man, successful in many ways. I loved my kids, but I didn't know how to connect to my kids. I loved my wife and I didn't know how to connect to my wife. I didn't know what she needed to cause her to flourish. And I just thought, like many of us do, I'll just be successful. And I'll just make money. And aren't I being a good husband? I'm being successful. I've made provision. And I'll protect you when it's needed. But on the most important issues of protection, I never heard their voices. See, God is a good father and Jesus is an amazing husband because you've become one flesh with him. And Ephesians 5 tells us this mystery and it says that no one causes harm to their own body. Jesus is not the one causing harm to his church. Now here's another point. When Paul was on the road to Damascus, and we know the story in the book of Acts. He was persecuting the church. He was coming against them with his righteous, religious zeal. 
And he got authority and he was going to Damascus and he was going to wipe out this new movement. He was zealous. He was righteous. He was trained. But he didn't know the heart of God. That's what religion will do. He has an encounter. I don't see a horse there, by the way. We all say he's knocked off his horse. I'm still looking for the horse. Maybe it ran away. It's not in the text. But he had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Jesus perfectly identifies with every single believer. He said, what you do for the least of these, you're doing it for me. Not like a duty, but as a reality. As a reality. You see, when I speak to Gary, I'm speaking to Jesus. When I speak to Grant, I'm speaking to Jesus. And when I'm speaking to a little child, I'm speaking to Jesus. See, we don't see it that way. But that's what the scripture points to. So Jesus has to come and he has to redefine the model of how we live. Because it's nothing like the world. And he, he teaches us in John 15 that what is the evidence of our connection is this eternal reality of God's love, unconditional love, flowing through us in speech and action and consideration and honour towards others. It's not something you have to work at. It's something you yield to. Now, a branch on a vine doesn't go, I've got to be a good branch. You can imagine. Imagine a fruit tree. Well, I better be a good branch so that I can bear good fruit. I need to be a good branch. And the church has been struggling religiously to be a good branch. All you're going to do is pop a pop a valve. I mean, nothing's going to happen. You cannot produce the love and the fruit in your best effort. What a branch does is connects themselves and ensures the deep connection so the sap can go through. And then what happens in the right season? It produces fruit. No effort except the desire to keep connected to the sap that brings life and it bears its own fruit. That's why Jesus says, apart from me, disconnected from me, you can't bear the reality of what I'm bringing you into. See, that's the first point of the gospel and it's the most important point that the blood in Jesus reconciles you to the heart of the Father. Why? So that you can do religious things? No, so that you can have relationship that shapes your life. That you love others with His love. And that means I've got to die. Somewhere along the idea... We thought we came to the cross very alive and stayed very alive. That's not my reading of the gospel. 
you willingly come to identify with Christ in his death. The old-fashioned lifestyle formed and fashioned under the tyranny of sin is no longer what you live in. But until you're willing to give your life fully to the reality of that connectedness, which you've already done, then you will continue to have salt water flow from your heart. What comes out of your heart is the reality you're in. So how do I know that I'm in the love of God? I willingly, in freedom, want to love you. Is that a deep, funky emotion where we all got to be like, you know, BFFs? For the older people, best friends. Forever. No. What it means is I'm willing to see you how God sees you and I'm willing to give you value. I'm willing to give you honour and I want to connect with you. Why? Because God thinks you're amazing. And I want to position myself to take the dirt out of your life if you're willing to let me get close enough and vulnerable enough to touch your feet. Because that's what you're walking in. Your heart guides your steps. And that's what Jesus does. See, when we go to John 13, he says, I've got to show you a new model. And Peter, good old Peter, who can associate with Peter? I love Peter. I fully track with Peter. Hey, let's just set up a tent here. This is amazing. And the church has become like Peter. Hey, the glory of God. Let's just get up on the mountain, stay on the mountain. And what does God the Father say? Hey, shut up, Peter. Listen to my son. There's a bigger story than being in the glory. It's learning how to be in the dirt with one another to keep each other clean, refreshed, lifted up, free and powerful. If the glory doesn't produce that, you've still got something going on in your heart that isn't connected to Jesus. I do not believe you can come into the presence of God one way and not leave another. I'm absolutely convinced that the presence of God is the manifestation of the love of God. That's why Paul puts 1 Corinthians 13 in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 when he's talking about spiritual gifts. You see, the modern church wants the excitement of 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, but it doesn't want the commitment, the vulnerability, and the reality of 1 Corinthians 13. Because you can perform by gifts that are given to you without having a connection, a deep connection to Jesus. And that's why men with powerful anointings fall. Because they get sucked into the idea that the gift that is given to them is theirs. You do not earn the gifts of the Spirit. You do not earn your anointing. It's given to you because of God's love for the benefit of others. The thing you get to walk in is your connectedness to Jesus. Why? Because what identifies us as mature believers that leads to the culture of honour and unity is our ability to love one another, to honour, to respect, to consider. For someone that's living in this connection is serving someone natural. Yeah. 
I don't have to think about serving. Because everything in the Holy Spirit leads me towards that. Is giving and generosity difficult for a person that's deeply connected into the love of God? No, I'll tell you why. Because the Father is a generous giver and I want to be like my dad in heaven. No one's making me. I choose. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes in my choosing, I have to recognize what's in my heart. I have to recognize my covert narcissism, the phrase I've picked up this week. Because God has got me on a study mission to say, I'm flushing up what has been hidden in the church so she can become free and she can become powerful. And we can live in ignorance and we can live in denial and that's all okay. But I'm telling you, God's going to keep loving you and keep loving you and keep loving you. You cannot run and you cannot hide from the love of God. Oh, He'll let you have a season like the prodigal son where he facilitates a bad decision. All the while longing that the pain of the bad decision will lead you to a right one and will lead you right back to where you had everything right from the very beginning. You see, sometimes we live in our father's house, not as sons, but as orphans. And the prodigal son was an orphan. But worse still, the older son, who represents the religion of Judaism, was equally an orphan. He was in the father's house and he was slaving away, but he had lost his connection with the father and therefore he had lost the reality of what was his. Am I making sense today? And so all of this is really important for us to understand. And this new model that Jesus is building in John 13 is actually taught by Jesus before he comes and demonstrates it. And he teaches about what the world does and looks like by way of leadership. And he says, you think, you think leadership is all about you. And everyone else serving your purposes. I'm paraphrasing. I'll give you the scripture in the notes if you want. Let me find it for you. Probably a good time for you to have a breather for what I'm saying. Luke 22, 25. The kings and men of authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects claiming that they do it for the good of the people. They're obsessed with how others see them. I've got to be more gifted. I've got to look more spectacular. I've got to look like I've got it all under control because I'm the man. I am the man. You ever seen that anywhere in the world? Have you ever seen it anywhere in the body of Christ? Wrong model. It cannot produce what God wants it to produce. Am I being okay? Are you okay? Or am I hitting some things this morning? Are you still there? Have you disengaged? Okay, it's hot, eh? They're obsessed with how others see them, but this is not your calling. This is not your calling. This is not your calling. You will lead by a different model. The greatest one amongst you will live as one called to serve others. 
who don't have honour. See, I get to connect with somebody that can, is of no benefit to me, of no gain to me, that can't make my vision more important. There's nothing about me in connecting to those that don't have honour. But when you connect with those that are not used to experiencing honour in the world, you reach in and you touch something that the world has locked away that God wants to raise up. That's what Jesus did. Look at his life. He sat with those the religious elite didn't want to go near. Why? Because you're sinners. See, under the New Testament, we carry an anointing to sanctify and remove the dirt to bring people into freedom. We're not to avoid, we're meant to embrace. And if it doesn't start in the house, it won't start in the world. We all have dysfunctional relationships and people can be toxic. I'm not talking about engaging toxic people. I'm talking about taking responsibility to be the one that motivates connection where connection is needed. I have led a church for quite a while. And this is the common way in which we live, is leader, follower, instead of leader, leader. When I cause you to become leaders, you become free and powerful to take responsibility to be an initiator of the truth I'm telling you. You're not waiting for someone else to honour you before you choose the way of honour. You're not waiting for someone else to love you before you choose the way of love. Now you're free and now you're being powerful. Because connection is the only way you will transfer what you carry to someone else. So Jesus teaches this, he models this, and he reminds them before he goes to the cross, this is the new model of how the church will be free and powerful and change the world. How did we miss that? How did we miss that? Because we read a new system, a new way through an old lens. Because the lens of the heart interprets the revelation that I hear. I can say I love you all day, but if you rehearse shame, fear, that you're not valuable, then that is actually what you'll live in. But here's the beauty of the gospel. It's more powerful than any old thought you had because there's a spiritual connection that creates an emotional reality. Because whether we like it or not, as spiritual people, we live emotionally. Am I making sense? So what God wants to do is to bring our thoughts and our emotion into the reality of our freedom so that we can be powerful and unified and learn how to honour one another, lifting people up. Why? Because he wants to land in that environment and do extraordinary things. The greatest among you will live as one called to serve others. He's not just talking about elders. He's not just talking about deacons. He's talking about every priest and king and son 
and daughter of God because you are just not followers. You're followers of Jesus, but you are to be kings and priests, leaders in the world. And it's the job of the eldership to connect you to that reality, to serve you in that reality, to come alongside of you in that reality so that 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 connection gets you to connect with one another and you learn how to empower each other well beyond them because they can't reach everyone. But God has given you a sphere of influence. He's given you a relational connection point, your family, your workplace, small groups. When you serve together, connect together. Don't just function together. One of the things we had to teach in our church for the worship team was we taught them how to honour one another and connect to one another because relationship releases giftedness. All of the issues of the heart, of not being on time, of I'm a prima donna and I'm an artist and I'm so amazing. Can't you see my gift? Oh, well, I'll serve maybe. That never happens in any church. And there's the poor elder begging and pleading. Doesn't work. You know why? Because you haven't yet owned who you really are. When you own in God's freedom, in God's love, in God's who you really are, you go, hang on a second. I want to connect. You know why? Because a team that's connected can achieve more than a team that's disconnected. Same in a marriage. Same in a home, same in a church, same in a workplace. Because we're hardwired a particular way. Am I making sense? So we get to Mark 6. We see this progression of John 15. We see Jesus in John 13 bowing down and serving Peter. And how's Peter's response? He says, whoa, you can't wash my feet, Jesus. What's going on in Peter's heart? Fear. I've never seen this model. And now I'm vulnerable to the connection that you're creating. Whoa, whoa, I don't know what to do with this kind of of leadership. I don't know what to do. It's breaking my head. It's smashing my grid. See, that's what Jesus is doing in the church right now. He's breaking the mold. He's smashing the grid. And Jesus says, Peter, unless I do this, unless you learn how to become vulnerable to me, you can't have any part of me. I can connect and I want to wash your feet. But if you don't want me to, if you resist because of shame or fear or misunderstanding, we can't remain connected. And then Peter gets it. And he says, wash all of me. Jesus goes, oh, okay, Peter. We'll get through this. I love Peter. And then what happens? He says, oh, Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'll go everywhere for you. I'm not going to deny you. Jesus says, I I, I know what's in your heart. You're actually going to deny me three times. No, 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 that can't be true. Cognitive dissidence. New word. I like that word. Makes me sound clever. I don't really know what it means. No, no. 
But you're thinking one way, believing one way, but your reality is different. Because the reality you live is in your heart, in your subconscious mind, through the pathways that you've developed all of your life. And then when Peter denies Jesus, he feels the pain of his betrayal to the affection and the love that was given to him. And Jesus comes and restores him. What does he say? Hey, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? He goes, yeah, Jesus, I phileo you. I think you're a good bloke. Jesus goes again. For every betrayal, there's a restoration. He says, no, 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 Peter. If you love me, if you agape me, feed my sheep. Yeah, Jesus, you're a good bloke. Yeah, no, 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 no. And he does it a third time. What is Jesus saying? Unless you love me unconditionally with the love I give you, you cannot create connection, influence, and bring the authority that I've given you to change the people around you. Does that make sense? And then finally, Mark 6. And we know the story. Jesus has been doing amazing miracles. Everywhere the kingdom's breaking out. Everywhere he goes out. But he comes back to Lifehouse, where he's the senior leader. Where he's one of the elders. Where he's one of the congregation. Afterwards, Jesus left Capernaum and returned to, with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. On the Sabbath, he went to teach in the synagogue. Everyone who heard his teaching was overwhelmed with astonishment. They said amongst themselves, what incredible wisdom has been given to him. Where did he receive such profound insights and what mighty miracles flow from his hands? And they went, hmm. Isn't this Mary, son, the carpenter, the brother of Jacob, Joseph, Judah, and Simon? And doesn't he have sisters who all live here in Nazareth? And they took offense at him. How could someone be so amazing, so gifted, so talented, so wow that it was shifting their life because something else came up in them? They bared the idea that this little boy from Nazareth could carry that kind of giftedness and transform their lives. So they rejected him through the spirit of offense. They traded in to all of his common life. They traded in to his history instead of seeing what God had put them in their sight for their benefit. You know, there are gifts to the body of Christ that sit right here. But because of a familiar spirit, we will not honour them, we will not release them, and we will not activate them, and therefore we will not receive them. And you know what will happen? We will become limited. Jesus didn't say it as a truism. He said it as something that needed to change. And it needs to change 
how we see each other. How we see our leaders. How we see one another. How we interact and how we receive each other. You know why? Because Jesus has said this. Following the deep tradition all through the Old Testament, if I had a week, I could explain it all to you. But he says, as you receive a prophet, and they thought of him as a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. See, as you give honor to what is on somebody's life, who they really are before God, you get access to what they carry and it transforms your life. Honor brings you increase. What? But I'm the man. If you want to keep thinking you're the man or the woman, that's fine. Bless you. But you are lacking what God has put around you for your increase and for theirs. As you receive a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward. Now, I'm, I'm just, I want to get savvy on this. So where God is breaking through in the area of people's life where they have a grace for business and finance and I need a breakthrough in business, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to the guy where the grace of God is on and I'm going to honour what he carries, what he's stewarded, what he's developed. And as I connect to that person and I receive them, I offer them hospitality, my vulnerability and my heart, guess what happens? I'm able to draw on that grace and bring it into my life. We are the most resourced people in the universe, but we're not looking with clear eyes what's around us. How many of you have a breakthrough story because God has taken you on a grace journey and you've broken through? And how many of you can see something in somebody else's life and saying, I'm going through that right now. I need to be around that person. See, what this church does really, really well is when I come in, there's an environment of hospitality and a heart to receive the pain and the journey that I've been through to create an established culture. And when... When they're willing to receive me, they receive what I carry. Jesus said this. He could not do many miracles there. What stopped the flow we're all crying out for? The familiar spirit of our hurts, our disappointments, our jealousy, all that's been going on in our heart, that somebody else who's in our midst might actually be doing an amazing thing for my benefit. But we get jealous to say, how come, God, you're using them? And you will not go into the next thing of God until you learn how to honour. And I've learnt this the hard way. There's pain with this. But today, God is saying, where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? Have a look around and see who's in the pews. See the lives that God has given you that you all may grow.
But don't move in a familiar spirit. Because the familiar spirit is the way of the world. The way of God is the way of love. And when I move in the way of love, I will liberate. I'll be free. You'll be free. And then I can celebrate. I can celebrate you. Not compete with you. These guys have come on today to shift a model to bring freedom and empowerment to everyone. Why? Because God's serious about where he's taking you. Now, what will it involve? More skills? More sweat of the brow? A transformation of your heart. A deeper connection with him that you can have a deeper connection with one another. And then what will it produce? Unity. And the world is looking for the church to have unity. God and all of the heavens are saying, if only the church would not keep playing to the strategy of hell and come to the strategy of heaven, to move from self-interest to selfless interest, to move from self-honor to giving honor, to learning how to love one another and watch what floods towards you because God blesses unity. The world is looking at the church for an answer. But if the church looks like the world, it doesn't provide a solution the world is looking for. God is changing all of that. And he's doing it here. Amen? That's all I've got to say about that. Who has felt the Holy Spirit speaking to their heart this morning? You probably won't respond, but who put up a wall when I started to talk about love? Because that's fear. That's Peter. I'm going to pray for you. Because I believe there's a manifestation of the heart of the Father here today that wants to break into your life. Not because God's a bully. Because he's been pursuing you for a long, long time. And today's the day. Today is the day for reconnection. Not religious connection. Relational connection. How do I know I'm connected with the Father? I know how to connect with others. If I've lost that connection, I've lost that connection. I can't produce that connection without that connection. Disconnected from me, Jesus said. Doesn't work. In me, living from the reality of being one with me, all things are possible. That means there's a present empowering grace because of God's love for breakthrough into every situation. Who needs a breakthrough today? Who's asking for the breakthrough? I don't see, I don't care if it's in finances, I don't care if it's relationally, I don't care if it's your marriage, your children, your workplace. It all gets connected to this reality. Because to pray in the Father's name successfully means to pray in the character and the love of God. 
Even our prayer life is not successful until we learn how to live connected to Jesus. Our gifts aren't successful. We don't know how to steward them unless we're connected to Jesus. Every breakthrough is found in this one connection. Amen? So I'm going to pray. You can bow, you can close your eyes, you can look straight ahead. I really don't mind. God's searching the hearts today. Father, I thank you for the, for the scroll angels and the spirit of revelation. I thank you, Father, that you are now, through your love and your goodness, just swirling and embracing people in your wraparound presence. I thank you for the angels that are present, the ministering angels that come to perform your word. I thank you, Father, for the winds and the fire. I thank you that they would manifest now. I thank you, Father, for the power of your word that's like a double-edged sword that pierces straight through. Bone and marrow, nothing is hidden. Soul and spirit. Lord, I ask for this word to be a piercing word to bring liberty, transformation, and connection. So, Father, I just release the power of your presence right now in the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for what you and who you want to touch right now as they open their hearts. And Lord, I just pray right now that that your love would pull down every wrong pattern of thinking, every every mindset that has been set up against you. And I pray, Lord, that the power of your truth, through the power of your love, come together and rewire subconscious thoughts at the deep level and that you liberate people into your love. That people would know that there is no shame, there is no fear to be in your presence. It's not about their performance. It's about your performance that has already fulfilled everything that's available to them. Lord, I ask For you to reach in through your connectedness, to wash their feet, to remove the scourge and the grime and the dirt of the tyranny of the world system that has kept them disempowered and separated from your love. Father, I now just ask that the liquid love of who you are, your unconditional love, would just send the, the witness of the Spirit that cries, Abba, Father. Lord, let there be a testimony in our hearts that we know whose we are and who we are, that we may own together this truth in this season. Not because we have to, because we want to, because we want to live free and we want to live powerful. In Jesus' name, amen.